Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, goal! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show covering soccer in Atlanta in Georgia, in the Southeast, in the U.S., in this hemisphere, in the world, everywhere and beyond. If we can go find it on another planet, we will talk about soccer there. But tonight, we're going to talk about Atlanta United and a busy week that they had on both coasts. Four points, really good performances, really two very different performances. We'll talk about that. Uh, our good friend Jessica Charman pops in to talk MLS in 2023. And, of course, the 3-4-3 to close things out. But let's start with Atlanta United. Team's got a week off. Uh, five days off, I believe, from training for the guys. Um, I think they have scattered, like, the four winds right now all over the place, enjoying a physical break, also a mental break. And they put in the work last week to earn that time off as well. Four points on both coasts. That's not easy to do. It was a long week. Uh, it was part of it. You heard the show last week from L.A. It was a long week, a long trip back, a long night on Wednesday night. It was a difficult one against LAFC, who you have to give LAFC a ton of credit. After losing the CONCACAF Champions League final over two legs to Club Leon, where, frankly, LAFC didn't play well, and especially in that second leg at home, they played pretty poorly, and, and I was surprised by that. And I, I thought you're, you're going to get one of two responses. Of course, if you're an Atlanta United fan, you're hoping for the response where the team is completely flat coming out a few days later. LAFC was not. They came out with a pretty strong lineup. Carlos Vela came off the bench, but pretty good lineup outside of that. And really, after about 30 minutes, LAFC took control of the match. They made it difficult for Atlanta United to find ways to get forward. They made it very difficult for the team to build out of the back. They didn't completely limit Atlanta's chances, but they stifled them in a huge way. Really the only opponent who's done that this season. I think the Columbus game earlier this year is a completely different story. It was the mistakes that, that allowed Atlanta United to fall behind in that one. The injury as well to Andrew Gutman, which limited the team defensively. But this game, Atlanta couldn't get going on the offensive side. That's a challenge when you're a great attacking team and honestly not so good of a defensive team. Atlanta found a way to keep the clean sheet in that game in L.A. They conceded one goal in the game on Saturday as they come back across the country, get ready to play on short rest. One goal conceded in 180 minutes. That goal was an uncharacteristic loss of possession by Tiago Almada in the middle third. I don't know if you could make that play work out the way that Chris Durkin did again, where he's going in for the tackle to knock it away from Almada, and it ends up going into a perfect through ball <laughs> for Taxi Funtas. Um, that's pretty impressive if that was the intention, but I don't think it was. Either way, 
That's the only goal they conceded in 180 minutes. This is a team that defensively has not been good enough this season. And I think what was most impressive about Saturday night and the win over D.C. was that the resilience defensively from Los Angeles carried over to the home match on Saturday night. Atlanta currently in Major League Soccer last in blocks per 90 minutes. Blocks, the way that, that FB ref, uh, football reference, um, if you follow other sports, you're probably accustomed to baseball reference, basketball reference, um, American football reference. You're, you're probably accustomed to the deep dive into statistics that they provide you. And it, it's been interesting trying to quantify, I think, something that's difficult and what Atlanta United's defensive issues have been. Because when you look at the overall output, Atlanta's a decent defensive team. Um, the XG is not as bad as the amount of goals that have been conceded, but it's still high. You haven't allowed teams to get into the final third very often. You haven't allowed teams to get into the 18 very often. You've been pretty good at disrupting teams in their normal passing game. I mean, there, there's so many different elements to it that you kind of struggle to find what the issue is and how to define it. And I think it's something that Gonzalo Pineda has brought up multiple times about preventing crosses from getting in, blocking shots, blocking crosses, blocking passes. And you go into the statistics, and it's one that I don't normally look at super closely, but Atlanta is last in blocks per 90 minutes played. Blocks of shots and blocks of passes. 8.78 total blocks per game. That's through the game on Saturday. 2.28 blocks of shots. 6.5 blocks of passes. That's per 90 minutes played. In Los Angeles, they almost doubled their usual output. It was 14 blocks in LA. Blocked two shots. Blocked 12 passes. Ibarra blocked five passes by himself. I thought they did a good job in limiting LAFC to mostly, not all, of course, LAFC is a really good attacking team and not anybody's going to, I don't think there's anybody in the league who's going to limit them completely to nothing. LAFC did get into the 18 a few times. But in general, I think they were forced to settle for more shots outside the 18 than they would probably have cared for. When they did get into the 18 or when they did get a good look, Brad Gazan stood up really, really, really tall. Ended up with eight saves on the night. I know there was some back and forth about was it nine, was it eight. According to the official numbers, it became eight after it was nine at one point in the night. Brad Gazan was huge in that game. Brad Gazan was big on Saturday night as well. Well, not, not tested as much, but he was big in that game as well. And look, I, I said this on Dukes and Bell last week uh, on Tuesday. I said it to really anybody who would listen. You can't define players, you can't define seasons, you can't define especially where a player is in their career. You can't define that by isolated mistakes. You can't even define it by one game. It, it, it's something that I know it's easy to do and I know we're, we're in the, the cycle where we want to yell and stomp our feet about everything and make a big deal about everything because we can get deeper into details than we ever could before when we talk about sports. And it's a fun thing to do. But you can't let isolated moments, you can't let a giveaway with the ball at his feet after he was put into a bad position on a pass back against New England and a goal given up at the near post when it's a shot from 12 yards or so inside the 18 by one of the best players in the league. You can't let those two plays define a player and define who they are and where they are in their career and if they should keep playing. And I think a lot of people did. And it was surprising that the, I think the, the chorus got so loud. And, and look, noise is a thing. And you don't want to go look for that noise when it's out there. We're humans. And I think you look for it and you hear it. And it's impossible not to when you're a prominent player like Brad Kazan. I don't think it motivated him to play better. And please don't get that stuck in your mind that that's the way to make better performances happen because that's not how it works. But was Gazan fired up? 
Yeah. Yeah, he was. And he played like it on Wednesday night. He played like it on Saturday. Honestly, he played like it on, on the Saturday against New England as well. He just made some mistakes that didn't help the team in that game. Played like it in Orlando, which that game's been completely forgotten about how he played in that game. And it was said that he'd had two bad games since coming back, which was absolutely not true. Brad Kazan's fine. Give him more games to keep getting sharper. He's fine. You don't have to worry about him right now. Long term, of course, you, you think about what's coming next and you think about when that time comes and who it can be. And you look at players like Vicente Reyes and Justin Garces, who's getting back from a knee injury, and you look at what their futures could be. Of course, that's what anybody does when they talk about a team's future. But the idea that Brad Gazan was done because of the New England game, very, very incorrect. And like I said in L.A., the loudness of the apology needed to match the disrespect. And I don't think it did. And hopefully it will over time. Also, another player who needs not apologies, but I, I think a loudness of acclaim for what they did on Saturday nights, Andrew Gutman. He was named to the MLS team of the match day. His second half performance was outstanding. Goal and an assist. Uh, throwing his body around, doing whatever he has to do to help the team get the job done. Blocking crosses, blocking shots, those things that have been an issue for this team this season. Andrew Gutman delivered in a big way. On tired legs, because that game on Wednesday in L.A., that was a hard-fought defensive game. That takes a lot out of you. Gutman was a player that I was worried if he would be able to go on short rest on Saturday. They traveled back on, on Thursday, had a, a regen session Thursday night after they arrived, had a session on Friday that was a short training session because that's all you can do. You work on a couple little things tactically. It's about all the time you have, and you go. And Gutman really dug deep in the second half. And I thought the the young players who came in fed off of that and brought energy that was needed. Um, Jay Fortune got the start, and he was very good. Very good in his first start. Can he be better? Yes. You have to get that first one under your belt. I think Jay Fortune is a player to watch in this midfield. Tyler Wolf, he's next in line for a start. He gets another goal. Impactful. Had an opportunity in L.A. to potentially steal a result, as did Fortune. Really good stuff from these guys. Brad Gazan also led the way. Really good performance on Saturday night from Atlanta United. So you are now six straight unbeaten with the five stripes. Four points out of second in the east. Would be one point off the lead in the west. The west is uh, not quite as strong as the east this season, in my opinion. 28 points. One behind St. Louis. Good bit behind Cincinnati. We'll see how Cincinnati holds up over time. But four points out of second, Nashville in the East. you got to get more goals from a few different places. You can't expect Yorgos Yakamakis and Tiago Almada to do every single thing. Got to continue making plays in the final third. Got to continue making plays in the defensive third like we've seen in these last two. Got to get the performances from the depth that we've been seeing. Wolf, Chole, Fortune. Got to get production from the wings. Those are the things that I am looking for for this team going forward. We'll talk a little bit about the international window and what that does for Atlanta United in the 3-4-3. Coming up next on AST in five minutes, the Cavalcade of Stars returns to the show. I caught up with Jessica Charman, the color commentator for Charlotte FC Radio, AST World Cup contributor, expert on the game. We talked about the first half of the 2023 MLS season earlier this afternoon. You'll hear that conversation right after the break as AST returns on 92.9 A Game and the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back to more of Atlanta soccer tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Welcome back to Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I promised a special guest, one of the members of the cavalcade of stars that we're going to have all over Atlanta Soccer tonight all summer long. And it's a familiar voice, somebody you know and love. Jessica Charman joining the show right now. Jess, what's up? That was quite a wonderful introduction. Very proud to be considered a star. Uh, Boosted my ego a little bit this afternoon, Jason. I do what I can. I do what I can. Uh, we got a lot of things to catch up on. We're at around the MLS halfway point. Some teams are past it. Some teams aren't there yet. I want to kind of run down where we are in MLS in 2023, but we have to start with something that is going to draw a line of demarcation when we talk about Major League Soccer, not just in 2023, but maybe even beyond. Lionel Messi coming to Miami, uh, waiting on all the final details of the contract to get finalized. It will, and he will be joining the team maybe July, maybe after the League's Cup. We're kind of waiting to see that side of it, too. Just what was your reaction to Messi's conversation uh, in Paris saying, yeah, I'm going to Miami? Honestly, I think we all knew it was brewing, but to hear it and like see it in black and white was a little bit surreal. I think that particularly with our World Cup show and how much we talked about Messi and how we saw that he was still the real deal, how he was still in incredible form. Maybe you thought it might be a little bit longer till he made his way to MLS. To make his way to MLS now while he's still playing at the highest level, while he's still in incredible form, it's just such a huge compliment to the league. And what I've loved about it is how many texts, WhatsApps, whatever, from people back home saying, oh my goodness, Messi is going to MLS. Maybe you were right about this being a league that we needed to watch. And I think we're going to see a lot of eyes turning on to MLS, which is always a good thing for the growth of the game in the U.S. Yeah, it's going to be nuts with this Apple TV global deal now with Lionel Messi in the league. And you know he's not coming alone. There's going to be some of his buddies coming with him. We'll see if Miami can follow the league rules in acquiring all of them. The Messi one, absolutely good on the league rule side. What does this do for Miami and maybe more importantly for you guys up in Charlotte and us in Atlanta? What does it do for the Eastern Conference? I think it throws it completely out of whack, doesn't it? You can't count off into Miami. Maybe you've seen them right now where they are in the league and they're desperately in need of reinforcements. They've got the coaching change, but now you can't write off into Miami with the star power they're going to get down there. It could really throw the league out of whack a little bit. But more importantly, it again just grows the respect of this Eastern Conference. You want to play against the best players. It may help us attract other players. I know you talk about attracting players into into Miami, but on the same page, if we have this increased respect of MLS and of the Eastern Conference, people are going to want to come play against Messi as much as they are with Messi. So I think it's a really exciting opportunity. You've seen it with the ticket sales. It's going to be a great revenue bringer for these sides individually, both Atlanta and Charlotte opening up those upper decks. And those tickets are flying like hotcakes at rather ridiculous prices, if I might say for a soccer game. But... I think it's going to cultivate new fans. And one of the things I keep telling people in Charlotte is, yes, okay, maybe some people are going to be there for just one game, but what happens when they fall in love with the atmosphere? What happens when they fall in love with the style of play that Charlotte's bringing or Atlanta's bringing? Then you gain new fans for life that are having this opportunity to see what it's about. Yeah, that's the factor for me. Messi can't be just about his time in the league you've got to start looking at that legacy and fans coming into the building fans turning on the tv watching these games and getting to know the league if they haven't been fully engrossed before it's a huge opportunity for mls and for soccer in this country just to use this as that accelerator that is going to kick things into a whole nother level i think the second half of the season is going to be a wild ride even before this news came out about messi The Eastern Conference especially, when you look at it, Cincinnati is running away with things. We'll come back to them in a second. But you look below Cincinnati, it is so crowded in the East. Nashville on 32, Philly on 30, New England on 30, Atlanta on 28, Columbus on 27, Orlando on 26. 
And then DC United on 23, Montreal 22, Charlotte 22. That's 10 points separating second and 10th. And those positions are going to jumble around as we play the second half of the season. And that's what's made this league so exciting this season in particular because everybody's beating everybody. You're not looking at these results and thinking before a match, okay, this one's obvious. This one's an unwritten result. Let's go throw some juice boxes on it. No, it's very risky business playing with juice boxes with the Eastern Conference Mm -hmm. because the results have been surprising. But again, that's what gets eyes turning on it when it is unpredictable. People don't want to see blowout games. People don't want to see, you know, obvious victories people want to see the underdog thriving and i think right now you haven't like you say cincinnati running away with it they've been remarkable incredible story over there what they're doing right now but other than that every place is feeling like it's up for the taking and everybody feels like they can be everybody and that keeps things exciting when people are not just fighting for a playoff spot but they truly believe they have that opportunity to get a home playoff spot as well so let's let's start with Cincinnati a little bit. They've only lost one game in 17. They have won 12. They've won more one-goal games than anybody else has wins, period, in the East. Are they as good as their record right now? I think that's a difficult question to answer in terms of are they as good. I think they're as effective in terms of even when they are not playing well, they are picking up results. And we talk about that a lot with championship winning sides, right? Even if they are not performing on the pitch, they're still finding a way to grind out a tie or grind out getting that last minute goal. They have this resilience about them, which is making them so effective. So I don't want to say they're playing that much better football than any other team, but they're just finding a way to pick up points every single week, which is something other sides aren't being able to do. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. And at times, the luck runs out on that. And I think the biggest thing when I look at Cincinnati and I look at the XG numbers, and you can take XG for what it is, I think the glaring thing about Cincinnati is they've only conceded 16 goals. It's one of the best defensive performances in the East. Their XG allowed is 21. That's a pretty significant performance there to to give up less goals than the XG models say that they should. Is that sustainable over another 17 games? We're going to find out because I think they're going to get pushed. You've got Nashville, Philly, New England, Atlanta, Orlando, Columbus, all getting more than one and a half points per game. Out of that trio of six, who is going to push Cincinnati the most in your opinion? Uh, I'm, I'm on Atlanta uh, soccer tonight, so I should really probably <laughs> say – Atlanta United, I think if you can keep everybody fit, then you have a really good opportunity. When you have someone like Yakamakis that it is scoring goals quicker than anybody else in club history, you've always got a weapon up there defensively. Maybe kind of a bit like Charlotte, where you're trying to outscore goals you're conceding, which is a bit of a concern as to whether you can do that consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like how Nashville is able to grind out results as well. We saw them just recently at home here. And whenever you've got Hani Mukhtar on the field, you're going to find a a goal in some capacity, whether it's by a golden touch or whether it's just by his ability to get knocks that go the right way for him. So I think Nashville also has a lot of an opportunity if they're able to remain consistent. I think everybody in that trio has qualities that can push Cincinnati, but I think everyone in that trio has a question as as well. And some of them a pretty big question. You know, Nashville, can Hani Mukhtar really carry them as far as he has so far? Can he do that for another half His of the season? His shoulders have got to be hurting, right? Ooh, I mean, you're asking the man to do everything for that team. Philadelphia, Jim Curtin's out of contract at the end of the year. Does that start to loom large? Uh, New England. You know, this is a team that has had some issues with injuries. They've had some defensive issues like Atlanta United as well. Can they continue to get healthy? Columbus has been up and down. I think the further down you go, and Atlanta's included in this part of it, the inconsistency at times of whether it's getting goals for some, whether it's keeping goals out for some, the inconsistency is something that has to get rectified. And I think all – We'll be looking to the transfer window as well to potentially make some changes. Let's go further down, though. We talked about the rest of the within 10 points of second place. You've got D.C., you've got Montreal, you've got Charlotte. 
I think all three teams in that group have the potential to push into that home playoff kind of idea. They all have the qualities that can get them further up the table. Yeah, and obviously I'm biased coming from a Charlotte FC perspective, but when you're able to fight back three times from losing positions in a game to pick up a point against Seattle, Seattle, a team that had more clean sheets than anyone else in the league and you score on them three times, that's got to be a huge confidence booster. I think all teams are dealing with injuries, but Charlotte with two DPs out have been really hit by that. If they're able to get those two designated players back and find a way to get the best players on the pitch in their best positions, then they could be dangerous. And I think that Charlotte FC has just had that lack of consistency and it's the leaking goals that's really, really hurting Charlotte right now. Yeah, uh, Atlanta can relate to that at times this season for sure. Um, Miami, we just have to see what that roster is going to look like first. Uh, They right now are seven points out of the last playoff spot, which Montreal is sitting in. They can make up that ground, but it's just way too early to even try to predict what their lineup's going to look like in a month, let alone how they're going to do. Let's bounce over to the West really quickly. Um, LAFC is leading in points per game. St. Louis is leading the table. LAFC has a lot of games to squeeze into the second half of the year. They've only played 14, whereas Seattle and Dallas have played 18. That's a lot of midweek games LAFC has got to deal with. Do you think they can handle that and win the West? I'm not sure. Honestly, I wanted to say that they could after, you know, I thought they were going to have that chip on their shoulder after not being able to pick up the win in Champions League. And I thought they would come back in after that with a point to prove. But they got absolutely demolished this weekend. Demolished. And I don't know if they have the squad depth necessarily. I think the drop-off between starting players and their depth pieces is too significant which is going to hurt them with that quick turnaround of matches. And I think that teams like St. Louis are setting the pace. And I think this is the most pushed LAFC has probably felt in a while. And I'm not sure they're going to handle the pressure here. Who do you think comes out on the top of the West? Because you've got St. Louis with a very clear style of play that maybe will get found out more in the second half. Maybe teams will give them the ball. Galaxy got a draw with them yesterday. I'm really curious to see what St. Louis does from here. You just saw Seattle. San Jose is right there, fourth in points per game. Dallas is a good team as well, although they lost on the road last night. Who do you think wins the West? If Seattle can keep their pieces fit, I think they have a really, really good opportunity. I think yesterday was an anomaly, honestly, with the goals they conceded, or Saturday, rather, against Charlotte. I don't think there's going to be many teams that put three past them, and you heard in their press conference afterwards how shocked they were. They kind of got caught off guard by Charlotte's attack, and they don't want to repeat that ever again. So I think that if they have the likes of Rui Diaz firing on all cylinders, we saw Jordan Morris step back onto the pitch as well. If they can keep their players, Roldan, if they can keep all of these quality forward line players fit, along with maintaining the defensive chemistry and the defensive record. If you're averaging 50% shutouts across the first half of the season in your matches, then you're doing something right defensively. And I think they have enough firepower to match with that defensive stability that they should pick up points throughout the rest of the season. Let's look at the MVP contenders really quick to go on the individual side of things. We've talked about Hani Mukhtar, and, and I think he is personifying everything about what a most valuable player is. 10 goals, 7 assists going into the weekend. He won the MVP last year. You've got Boanga from LAFC with 10 goals. You've got Yorgos Yakamakis now with 10 goals. Luciano Acosta is really carrying Cincinnati, especially on the goal-scoring front, more than Brandon Vasquez right now. Tiago Almada, Lucas Zellerayan getting goals and assists for their team. Who is the MVP in Major League Soccer in your mind? Right now, I think it's a repeat of Hani Mukhtar, and I hate to go with the easy option, but he's just so good. He puts the team on his shoulders. He's classy on all areas of the field, and he just carries himself so well. I do think if Cincinnati end up winning uh, the Eastern Conference, and if they end up maybe winning MLS Cup, then you look at that Acosta conversation just because of Mm -hmm. how exceptional the revitalization of Cincinnati has been from what? being bottom of the Eastern Conference for their first two, three seasons in existence to this, it's incredible. So maybe you start to put him in the, into the question. If Armada stays for the rest of MLS, then yeah. he's up there as well. I think he is. And people have been 
very quick to criticize him. It was interesting to see on even MLS uh, wrap up show how much he got criticized for a pass in the build up a play. Oh, Unfortunately, boy. when you get so known in this league, you become a very easy target to point fingers at. So yeah. uh, I still think he's a player that if he can continue at the rate he's at and continue turning eyes with some of the goals he's scoring, with some of the passes he's making, should be in the conversation. Seven goals, nine assists for Tiago Almada, and he really hasn't played that many minutes with Yorgos Yakamakis yet. If he sticks around and those two stay on the field a lot in the second half of the year, ooh, that could be a lot of goals for Atlanta United. Uh, some other guys to keep in mind that I don't think are getting the love that maybe they deserve. Hector Herrera is having a great year for Houston, who is one of the best teams at home in the league this season. Cucho Hernandez has been on a great run for the crew. Oh, he's Jesus good, Ferreira. isn't he? Cucho's amazing. Cucho's just, amazing. Yeah, he's just a player that you just, I mean, you saw what happened to Charlotte against the crew, and yeah. Cucho was a huge role in it. And I think what's making Cucho stand out right now is that key word of consistency. Mm -hmm. To be able to contribute to a goal, is it a record-breaking eight-game straight? Something like that. He's, he's broken an MLS yeah. record for goal contributions in consistent matches. If he can keep that streak up, you can't turn down having him in the conversation. No, not at all. Jesus Ferreira, I think if Dallas makes a run, if, if New England makes a run, Carlos Heel will be in that conversation for MVP. And, and I, you know, Yorgos Yakimakis, I think, has is going to have to be in there as well if he keeps scoring goals at the rate that he is. Uh, we've talked a lot about the expectations. We've talked a, a lot about MVPs. Is there anything specifically that you're looking for in the second half of the MLS season that you're looking forward to or that you expect? Oh, I mean, how can you not? I don't. Again, cliche, cliche, but this whole Messi effect is going to be wild. Yeah. I'm very excited to see the increase in conversations about MLS, the increase in conversation across the world about MLS. Obviously, bias in that, but I can't wait to see more English soccer fans talking about MLS and staying up to watch the matches and things like that. I'm very excited for that part of it. And I think I'm also just excited to see with this new playoff format and the play-in game, how much more entertaining decision day becomes, right? Yeah. Because in the past, it's been less spots up for contestion. So more teams have been kind of dead and buried before that last couple of matches of the season. I think that October month could be absolutely incredible for the games and the fight and the desire you're gonna see on the field from all the teams that are still alive, because potentially, you have all but one or two teams in a conference really battling out for that ninth spot. Yeah, I, I think right now everybody's still alive. Uh, Colorado's the one that maybe I'm looking at a little side-eyed, and maybe you two LA Galaxy. But uh, Miami at the bottom of the East, uh, yeah, they're going to be better than the bottom of the East. Where they finish, I don't know. It's going to be a, a fun ride. It's going to be a fun summer for us, too, on, on AST. We've got the Women's World Cup kicking off a little bit later in the summer. We're going to have a ton of coverage on AST, some specials as well on 92.9 The Game around the U.S. Women's National Team games, maybe some others. What is your expectation of this summer for the Women's World Cup and just the conversation that's going to drive in this country as well? Oh, I cannot wait. I am so excited. And I think this is the first World Cup that I've been present in the U.S. where I've heard American fans not thinking that the U.S. are the favorite. Yeah. It's refreshing. I actually think the U.S. might grind it out. I thought England would be up there but now with the injury concerns feeling a little shyer about putting my name out there but it's refreshing to see how many different names when I talk to people about the upcoming World Cup I hear so many different answers for the nation that people think are going to become victorious and that just makes it such a more engaging World Cup when you only have one or two candidates for a championship and everybody's kind of got their eye on the favorite and everyone kind of thinks, oh, this is just going to be a one show pony. It's not as exciting. But I think so many people are not sure how this is going to go, which keeps it that much more entertaining. It's going to be an amazing ride. And you talk about MLS without a maybe clear, clear MLS Cup favorite. I don't think there's a clear favorite for the Women's World Cup this summer at all. I think the U.S. will be in there. England will be in there. The Dutch will be in the conversation, maybe Spain, 
Um, it's going to get fascinating. France as well, Germany as well. I mean, we could just keep going and going. We're going to have a ton of special podcasts around the Women's World Cup. We're also going to have plenty of on-air coverage as well. Cannot wait for that and cannot wait to have you back on the show again. Jess, thanks for your time. Looking forward to it. Have a great rest of the show. Make sure you're going to stick with us in five minutes. We'll be back. The 343 coming up next. Three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we all love so much. Coming up next on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with a 343. Three, four, three. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9, the game, and the Odyssey app. Always fun catching up with everybody on a Monday night. This is the 343. This is where things get all crazy, where we talk local, we talk world headlines, and we talk about things that make us smile about this game. Let's jump into it. Start with the local side. Three local stories you need to know. Number one, three players with Georgia ties were named to Jamaica's preliminary World Cup training squad. Shambly High School, Concord striker, Soleil Washington, one of the best players in the state in high school soccer this past season. University of Tennessee's Giselle Washington and SSA's Rachel Jones. They'll all be trying to earn roster spots at this summer's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Maybe some more local ties on the U.S. roster when that gets finalized. Although Kelly O'Hara's spot might be up for grabs, it's sounding like. Emily Sonnet, I think, will get a roster spot. Uh, It's going to be very, very interesting as we get a little bit further down the road in the summer and World Cup roster spots Get nailed down. Jessica Charman and I are going to have plenty of World Cup coverage this summer for you about the games over in Australia and New Zealand. Number two on the local side. Big congrats to Grayson's Nathan Gray. He signed a pro contract at 15 years old to play for the USL League One Charlotte Independence. Gray has been with Atlanta United's Academy. He's done very well. He was a standout at the most recent MLS Next Flex tournament. But when you look at the depth chart in central midfield around him, he's a a six, maybe an eight. It's a little too early to project where he goes at the next level. But you've got Aiden Torres, who's in the same age group and playing with the U.S. national team at the U16 level. He just signed an Atlanta United 2 contract. He'll be on the Atlanta United roster next season. Jay Fortune's development, getting his first start in MLS this past weekend. Alan Carlton on a pro contract, a couple years older than Gray. It's a very crowded central midfield for Atlanta United 2, for the first team, and in the academy age groups as well. This is the kind of move, it's a credit to Nathan Gray and his development, also to Atlanta United's academy and the work they've done in developing him, but it's also a credit to the development of more professional opportunities for young players around the Southeast. This is something that's going to come 
more and more, become more and more common, I think, where either a club has a log jam at a position and a young player comes through and there's nowhere for them to go and they go elsewhere to make their name. Maybe they come back. That could always happen. But maybe they go elsewhere to make their name. Sometimes that's going to be college, and we've seen that with a few players. Sometimes that's going to be other professional clubs. Full credit to the Charlotte Independents for making the signing and making this investment in Nathan Gray. And big-time congrats to Nathan Gray and his family. Number three on the local side. This is from Doug Robertson over at the AJC and from Atlanta United. They have partnered with the Atlanta International School to form a, a pretty unique situation that's going to allow 20 of the team's 40 high school-level academy players an opportunity to pursue a, a more normal high school experience. Not the homeschool kind of situation that they've done here lately, but a more normal high school experience while still pursuing dreams of becoming professional players. Great article over at the HAC. Definitely recommend checking that out. A couple of quotes I wanted to share with you before you do. The first one's from Carlos Bocanegra, Vice President, Atlanta United. He said that we'll have maybe two out of 100 kids go professional. So they need to have a good high school education. They need to be prepared for that next step. This was the key thing to me that, that Carlos hit on. He said, but also that social aspect is something we miss. They need to get exposed to other things. So it's really the evolution. We're thrilled with this, talking about the partnership. Matt Lowry, the academy director, talked a little bit about how those players in these age groups, they're trying to challenge them to get close to the second team, close to the first team in terms of the training environment, in terms of the level, which means they need to be available at more flexible times because they might get called into first team training. I've seen academy players participate in first team training. They need to be ready to get called into second team training. The first team and the second team, they're not going to adapt their training schedule to the kids. The kids have to adapt to them. This kind of a school situation gives you the best of both worlds. It gives you a more traditional school environment where you get that social side, but also it allows these players to be available to train in the mornings while doing some online classes to supplement classes they might miss and go to classes in the afternoon to get that normal high school environment. It's going to be an exciting partnership. I think it's really going to fit some kids very, very well and give them some things that maybe they've lacked in terms of the, the setup right now. So excited to see this partnership continue to develop between Atlanta United and the Atlanta International School. All right, four headlines from around the world. Let's start with number one, Champions League final. Manchester City, they complete the treble. Pep Guardiola's team, there's been so many things said about Pep and City and can they get it done. They have taken their place among some of the most iconic teams in history. Ajax in 72, Manchester United in 99, Barcelona in 2009, also under Pep Guardiola. They were able to adjust their game model to suit Erling Haaland without losing their identity. And that took a little bit of time. They didn't start out just demolishing everybody this season. It took a while. Also, Guardiola, something that he's talked about in the past, and this is the longest he's ever been at a club, he was a little worried going into the year about the the drive, the the hunger from this team because they've won so much. I mean, they won four out of the last five Premier League titles. Now they've won five out of the last six. You want the Champions League, of course, but that's a little bit of a luck of the draw tournament. They maybe were lacking some of that early on. Guardiola said one of the only positives in the, the first half and maybe even right after they came back from the World Cup break was Rico Lewis, a teenage defender who was pushed into the team, uh, especially after the World Cup. He was highly rated by the youth coaches since he joined Manchester City at eight years old. He was playing for the U21s last year. And he came in, and I think what you got out of Rico Lewis in the time he was on the field, Guardiola said he didn't have the arrogance to expect to win every game by just showing up. Like, maybe some of the players on the team did. Lewis came in and had to fight. He had to grind. He had to scrap. And Guardiola made sure to praise that and encourage the others to follow that. He also had the technical ability to show that you could put a defender into the midfield, which I think Lewis did a pretty good job of. John Stones really did a good job of. And that move was so fascinating from Guardiola to make it work. And he talked about the need for stronger 1v1 defending throughout the year, getting another defender into the midfield. Very different than Guardiola's usual idea of playing as many midfielders as possible he put a defender into midfield, and it actually made sense because Stones isn't your traditional defender either. 
Uh, all of it culminated in a 1-0 win over Inter in Istanbul on Saturday night. Difficult game, maybe one of the most difficult of the season. Rodri with an amazing strike midway through the second half. City had had to weather a lot of pressure from Inter. Hardest fought of the three trophies that City won this season. Total vindication for Pep Guardiola and I guess the haters out there who were clapping at him and talking nonsense about he needed the Champions League with City to ensure his legacy. Nonsense. His legacy was ensured. This just adds to it. And now, and he kind of said it today, it's kind of like, okay, what else is there to do? <laughs> you know? Um, it's not easy to do a treble all the time. And now if that's the expectation, I mean, you're almost certainly going to fail <laughs> because it's only been done twice for English clubs. So... What now? What does next year look like for Manchester City and Pep Guardiola? I do not know. I am fascinated to see where things go. Number two on the world headlines, international play. It's a mix of friendlies, Nations League, Euro qualifiers, all kinds of stuff. Here's some of the highlights to keep in mind. Luis Abram, Thiago Almada, Machop Chol, Derek Etienne, Jay Fortune, Yorgos Yakamakis, Miles Robinson. All Atlanta United players who have received call-ups from their national teams for this window. Robinson will stay with the U.S. men's national team through the Gold Cup. That starts immediately after the Nations League is done. The Nations League, we'll talk about a little bit more here in a minute. Nations League is also going on in UEFA. you got the semifinals on Wednesday 1st, Netherlands and Croatia. Thursday, Spain and Italy, which I'm really looking forward to that game. The final for the UEFA Nations League will be on Sunday from Rotterdam. Argentina playing friendlies over in Asia. They are playing Australia at 8 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday in Beijing. Then they go to Jakarta to face Indonesia on Monday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. The reports out of Argentina indicate that Lionel Scaloni will go first choice lineup against Australia, more of a rotated group against Indonesia. You got qualifying for the European Championships. That's going to take place next summer. Qualifying starts now. 17s will be watching closely for Greece and Yorgos Yakamakis. They host Ireland on Friday, followed by a really interesting trip to France on Monday. Some other interesting Euro qualifiers include Norway and Scotland at noon on Saturday, Iceland hosting Portugal on Tuesday. Machop Chol, he was called up for games for South Sudan over the break. They'll play an AFCON qualifier on Wednesday against the Gambia, and they will play friendly against Egypt after that. Number three on the headlines, CONCACAF Nations League gets its own segment. Semifinals and final this week. The semifinals are on Thursday. First game is Canada trying to build on their first World Cup since 86, trying to get to their first CONCACAF final since 2000. They play Panama in the first game in Vegas. Second game is the Classico. It's USA and Mexico. Spot in the final on the line. Diego Coca has managed five games for the Mexican national team. He's already feeling the effects of the hot seat. He hasn't lost the game. He's won two and drawn three, took over in mid-February. He hasn't lost. And what people are saying is that he might not even survive if he wins just one trophy this summer. He might need to win both the Nations League and the Gold Cup just to keep his job that he just got. That's insanity. Yes, it was a disappointing World Cup for Mexico. One of the most disappointing ever. Yes, they have a new federation president, Juan Carlos Rodriguez. He had nothing to do with Coca's hiring, by the way. Um, just to show you how hot the seat is right now, the sporting director, Julio Davino, he's on a three-month contract. <laughs> that is uh, not a recipe for success, necessarily. Oh, it's craziness. On the U.S. side, you have an interim to an interim manager in B.J. Callaghan. The big story for the U.S. is Folarim Balogun. Is he going to start? 21 goals in Ligue 1 on loan this year. He's looking for a new deal at the club level. He's also looking to impress his new teammates. Center back's another question. Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson, most experienced, maybe most form right now. Do they get the start? They are going to really miss Tyler Adams in the midfield. Finals on Sunday in CONCACAF Nations League. Number four on the world headlines, Kylian Mbappe, and this came out kind of late in the day. He has reportedly told PSG he's going to leave the club when his contract expires next June. They're not going to let that happen. They're not going to lose Mbappe on a free, so that accelerates the timeline. Do they look to sell Kylian Mbappe this summer? 
this summer silly season is going to be nuts. If Mbappe's on the market, the Miami situation with players coming to follow Messi, Harry Kane potentially on the market. Jeez, I don't know. Real Madrid trying to spend more money than anybody to get going. Chelsea's got to fix things. It's it's going to be insanity. Three things that make you smile about the game. Uh, you're not smiling if you're a PSG fan right now. These things make me smile about the game. Bordeaux, let's stay in France. They're going to remain in the second division next season after the league on Monday handed the six-time champions a loss for a game that was abandoned after a fan ran onto the field and attacked a player from the opposing team. The disciplinary committee ruled that the season finale, which Bordeaux had to win to keep their promotion hopes alive, they're not going to get to replay it. They're getting a point deducted from next season. They're ordering the closure of the South Stand at Bordeaux Stadiums for two games. The French League has to do more. This is a pretty good step. They've still got to continue to do more, but I'm actually very happy that they're finally doing something about the fan behavior in French football because it has been out of hand all year long. Number two on the things that make me smile, Fabio Cannavaro. He made a pledge to cycle from Rome to Naples if his hometown club Napoli won the Scudetto. 254 kilometers. He did it. He was born and raised in Naples. He represented the club. His younger brother did too. Um, he's 49 years old. He took a six, almost seven-hour bike ride to meet this pledge and got it done. Um, might need to sign him for next season if he's doing that. Six hours and 55 minutes and 254 kilometers. Not bad. Uh, let's stay in Italy for number three. In 1988, a young Claudio Ranieri arrived at Cagliari, and they were in Serie C. Took them to two successive promotions to Serie A. In December of this year, a 71-year-old Claudio Ranieri came in with the task to bring Cagliari back to Serie A, and he did it. It's amazing to go 1988 and get them to Serie A and 2023 and get them to Serie A. Claudio Ranieri is one of the great people in the game, and it's awesome to see him thriving. Join Mike Conti and me for Stoppage Time Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. March to Match Day will not happen this week. It will happen next week ahead of Wednesday's game against NYC, but you got some time to wait for that one. And you don't have a Five Stripes countdown this week. It's weird. We don't have an Atlanta United game this weekend. We do have AST coming back next Monday, though, and it'll be heavy in preview mode, getting ready for NYC on Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out with me this evening. Signing off. Adios, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.